All right, welcome back to Black on the Air. I'm Larry Wilmore, and this is Black on the Air. Good to see everybody. It's so weird. I can't see anybody. Man, it's been such an interesting uh, week this past week. People going crazy over the last couple of weekends of Beyonce at Coachella. Um, even her sister went crazy, jumped on her and knocked her down, I think, one weekend. Trump is having a bromance with Macron in France. I think they were making out, you know, at the one of those press conferences. It was hilarious. Trump, like, picked dandruff off of him, which is weird. Trump is getting so weird now. He's just getting really weird. He's even, like... It looks like he's trying to have some kind of bromance with Kim Jong-un, too. I would not be shocked if Trump has an actual nervous breakdown by the summer. It's going to be so weird. People are going crazy over Melania's hat. She had a little Panama hat. She looked like she was doing a 7-Up commercial from the 70s to me, you know, that type of thing. It's the Uncola. Uh, 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 that's for my older crowd. But all of that is nothing compared to how many people are going crazy over... Kanye West tweeting again. Oh, and Meek Mill got out of out of prison. I think it was in prison. Was it prison or jail? I have Zach. Hey, Zach, what's up? Hey, what's going on? Zach is an engineer and producer. Every man does everything here. That's right. Usually behind for, the scenes. He's but behind he wanted, the scenes. But I love on. talking to Zach. Zach is awesome because there's always something going on with you, Zach. Mm-hmm. That, and you're very concerned about. You're concerned about Kanye, or you're disappointed in Kanye? I'm distraught. You're distraught. Okay, so let me give this some. Some context. So Kanye started tweeting again, like, last week, right? Yeah. He had been away for a while. He'd been away. He came back, kind of started tweeting all this really exciting stuff about yeah. he was coming out with a philosophy book. He's coming out oh. with a bunch of albums. He's going right. to produce the new Nas album, the new Pusha T album. Wow. He was having a collaborative album with Kid Cudi, and a week later he was going to release right. his own solo album. That's so coming up. Just the like, Kid Cudi thing comes out in June, right? Yep. Right, and right, same right. with his other album. So it was just right. going to be this run of week after week after week right. Kanye projects, which is very exciting. He's promoting. He's back because he's promoting because mm-hmm. he can't kind of a, I don't know, a weird exit when he had that tour last time. It looked like he yeah, was he in canceled the his tour of a breakdown or, or something was going on. Definitely something was going on. It was weird. Remember Kim had that thing in Paris where someone broke into the hotel room and and then Kanye just went off the grid after that. Yes. Yeah. yeah I mean, <laughs> so what happened? What happened last time? It looked okay. like something was going on right. with his mental state. He, he canceled his tour right. the week after Trump had won. He said he didn't vote, but if he would have voted, he yes. would have voted for Trump. Right, and people lost their minds a little bit because they said, wait, this is the same guy who said George Bush hates black people right. or doesn't like black people. Did he say doesn't like or hates? George Bush doesn't care about black doesn't people. Doesn't care, yes, which I thought was that was hilarious because what was funny about that was Mike Myers' expression. <laughs> he didn't know that Kanye was going to say that, you know. Um, and people were like, yeah, Kanye, tell him George Bush don't care about black people. And this is, I kind of like Trump. <gasps> right. And then what? he goes away. He right. goes, checks himself in somewhere. He's away. Right. Because people comes thought, out. well, there obviously is something wrong with Kanye sure. if he says he likes Trump. So, yes, go away, Kanye. Come back. And when you come back, tell us. The real thing, right? So now he's back, and people, because when Yeezy tweets, I call him Tweezy when he tweets, by the way. Uh-huh. That should be his name now. Because <laughs> it's a very specific Kanye when he tweets. So let's refer to the tweeting Kanye as Tweezy. So, he's tweeting a lot of kind of philosophy, yes. advice, I, stuff that, I can't that's get happening. enough of that. 
And that's great. And yes. he, even there was something that really struck home for me okay. where he was like, you really know someone's true character when you see how they behave towards someone who can't help them. And it's like, that's very insightful. Right. I did, think that is an insight into someone's character. Did he deconstruct where he ran on stage and tried to take away the uh, attention from Taylor? He did not. <laughs> okay. All right. He didn't talk about his own behavior. Right. Okay. But he is talking about, he talked about Trump again. And that's been the most controversial thing, right? Because he, he said he loves Trump, right? Are you concerned or are you disappointed? I'm concerned for Kanye, the person. You're concerned for his well-being. It does not Did you seem... have this concern when he married a Kardashian? No, I didn't really care. Okay. I don't really engage in celebrity gossip too much. I didn't okay. really care. Got it. Whenever it seems like he's he's in a tough mental state, and I don't want to armchair psychologist. Here's what I'm here's what I'm getting from you, Zach. You I think that you don't believe that Kanye believes what he's saying, that he's going through something. No. And that I... he's saying something out of stress. I do believe that uh-huh. he's loves Trump. I was okay, hoping I was hoping that we could just blame it all on him being in a tough place a year and a half ago. And you're, clear, you're realizing that it's not. I'm that. realizing that it's not, and that's yes. what's so heartbreaking. I thought when right. he was coming out with a new album, he was going to walk the Trump stuff back right. in a beautiful and exciting okay, way. Okay, so let me ask you this. Why are you so disappointed? Because here's, here's the thing that's fascinating to me. I mean, Kanye's a rapper, right? He's an artist, whatever, whatever you want to call it. He's definitely uh, made his mark in the music world that's pretty indelible. But I never look to artists to give me the other thing to lead me in the world. Like when I was coming up, I didn't care what Bootsy Collins felt about the presidential race. Right. <laughs> you know, I didn't look to that. Oh, Bootsy's going to vote for Reagan? Fuck Bootsy. You know, I'm off the mothership now, you know. Fuck Parliament. Like I didn't think that, you know, or Rick James to tell me, you know, who he was supporting or or if he loved Jimmy Carter or whatever. Rick James smoked weed all day. What do I care? You know, and as long as he's making songs like Mary Jane, I'm happy. Why are you so concerned that he loves Trump? Who cares? Because if he said the opposite, you wouldn't be having this problem is what I'm saying. So what does it matter to you that he loves Trump? Do you think he's going to put out a song, Trump Walks, instead of Jesus Walks? <laughs> well, I think it, it shows, like, what I would consider bad judgment on his part. Mm-hmm. And it also, one of Kanye's Why core is strengths. Judgment? Because Trump is the most divisive thing to ever come along in American politics. And mm-hmm. I... I just find a lot of his rhetoric and ideologies do not jive with what I believed Kanye and, and by extension, hip-hop's ideology is, right? It's, Kanye's always had great taste, and he's always seemed to have really? his finger on the pulse of, like, what's going on. And I mm-hmm. think him somewhat endorsing Trump mm-hmm. tells you that he's out of touch. See, I didn't need and that. And that's painful. I didn't need that to think that Kanye has some issues. Okay, but here's what he also said. He said, I love when people have their own ideas. You don't have to be allowed anymore. Just be. Love who you want to love. That's free thought. I'm not even political. I'm not a Democrat or Republican. Do you have a problem with that? I don't have any problem with that. Okay. He said, uh, for people in my life, the idea of Trump is pretty much of a 50-50 split. But I don't tell a Hillary supporter not to support Hillary. I love Hillary, too. That's fine. I, so wait, I'm confused. What, like, what is, is he, my issue? Yes. What is your issue here? He's I, just saying, this is what I think. I don't care what you think. Yeah. My issue is I've been a Kanye West fan for a very long time. And for a very long time, people have over and over come to me with personal anecdotes about Kanye West saying, how could you like this guy? He's a jerk. He's this. He did this. He did that. But for me, it was always about the art. It was like, okay, but the art is incredible. And I never found 
what he was doing to be that problematic, right? Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't like he had been involved in— What he was in, doing personally. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, he he would say bizarre things or behave in ways that are socially jarring, but it wasn't like he was involved in, like, domestic violence or going to jail or doing, like, things that were regarded as, like, truly deplorable. He was always surrounded in controversy, but there mm-hmm. wasn't real things morally like was, at stake. But even if there was, nobody cares because he's a rapper. Right. I right. mean, a lot of times they get let off the hook for that kind of stuff. But right. that's beside the point. Completely. So I was a big fan of his. Mm-hmm. It was always about the art, and I didn't find anything he was doing personally to be dangerous or wildly irresponsible. Mm-hmm. And then he tweeted about Cosby, Cosby Innocent, a couple mm-hmm. years ago. That was like the first thing that I was like, that's indefensible. Mm-hmm. And then the Trump thing was the second thing that was like, you're now being wildly irresponsible to your fans and with your platform. Mm-hmm. That is what's troubling for me. Him taking the mic from Taylor Swift, it's rude and mm-hmm. it's socially bizarre behavior, but it's not necessary. I wouldn't, I wouldn't refer it. I wouldn't slot it as dangerous. Mm-hmm. And I think— Defending yes, Cosby. People know how I feel about that. Right. And I've endorsing Trump. About feel, that feels dangerous and Well, Cosby is a case that's going. It's a court case. There, there are accusers. There's a defense here. And he's taking a side in that. And obviously, I think he's taking the wrong side. And, and I don't know how he would know that he's innocent, like right. where he gets that information. So I agree with you that that's nuts. But he's saying that he just, he just loves Trump and right. just always has. He hasn't taken any political positions on it. You know, like, he loves the essence of Trump. But it's interesting to me that that that's the thing that is people's breaking point <laughs> with Kanye. And that, do you think it's going to affect his, his uh, the interest in his uh, album? Like, his music now? Do you think he's, do you think Kanye is done as a thing? Or do you think he has a bigger audience because of it? I don't know if he has a bigger audience. I think... Mm-hmm. I feel like he's on thin ice with people, uh-huh. but thin ice. But he has such uh-huh. he has such an amazing catalog, and he's just been such a groundbreaking artist that we're gonna check out his project no matter what. Right. But it's troubling to see his behavior, uh-huh. and I think people are having a hard time. I, you know, I'm a huge Kanye fan, but I'm having uh-huh. a hard time rectifying like yeah. an irresponsible use of his platform and his music. And mm-hmm. I also have found his music to be increasingly disorganized, which seems to also be mm-hmm. his state of being at the moment. Yeah, and he claims it's it's art. Right. That what you see as disorganization is an artistic expression that you just don't understand yet. But like in 100 years, you'll get it. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's a great claim for artists to make because there's no way of proving that, you know, we'll know. I am concerned, though, the whole intersection of— I guess celebrities and artists with causes, you know, that was kind of bugging me this morning. I got nothing against Meek Mill. I I haven't even followed that case that closely, you know. I felt like there was this maybe an over celebration of of this issue or whatever, because to me, I really care about incarceration issues and that type of thing and overzealous judges. And I'm not whenever celebrity cases get involved, I always think there's something that happens that misses the point in it. You know, and I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing because I think when we people put and I the thing I was thinking about was the Colin Kaepernick issue. You know, I'm thinking more about that than the Meek Mill thing because, yeah, I think he did have this overzealous judge and whatever, you know, but I, I don't think that's the real issue in there. But let me go to the Colin Kaepernick thing, because um, I really feel that the whole Colin Kaepernick issue at this point is so confused and so diluted and just such 
the, not the issue that it initially started out as. I don't think like NFL players should kneel anymore during the national anthem. How do you feel about that? Why don't you think that? Why are they kneeling? <laughs> At Thank this you. Point? <laughs> no, but that pause is exactly what yeah. I'm saying. Like the whole reason is lost. I believe, from my point of view, that Colin Kaepernick was making a personal statement about how he felt about the state of of black people and their relationship with the police. Yes. The negative relationship. Police brutality, overzealousness, a lot of these things, you know. And um, that was his personal thing about it. That was his way of saying because he's 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 an activist, you know. Kaepernick mm-hmm. is an activist, so that's what he does. But I always felt from the beginning it has nothing to do with football. There's a bit of a disconnect in right. this it, protest. Right, like the NFL are not the police. It, NFL's got nothing to do with what he's he's doing. So it's not a protest against the NFL. There's nothing to be gained for the NFL to do something on behalf of Colin Kaepernick and this issue, or on behalf of players. That of the reason why he was taking a knee or whatever, he was making a personal statement about America in a sense or whatever. Sure. You know, but football's got nothing to do with it. You know, there's there's not like a rule in football that's making cops do something to black people. Right. But there is a rich right. history of athletes using their platform to make social statements. Right. You have to John, make social John Carlos and Tommy Smith to make with social the, statements. The black, Correct. Black fists up at the 68 yes. Olympics. But there was not a statement about the Olympics themselves. You know, that was a statement about America. Sure. So it was not a criticism of the Olympics. And this has become— It was a little easier at the time because the Olympic commissioner was a known Nazi sympathizer. But yeah, but it was <laughs> that's not— That's the but it wasn't the Olympics. No, it, wasn't a process it was not of a statement Olympics. about the Olympics. Right. Not even about the Olympic ceremonies. It was almost a spontaneous thing they had talked about, you know, and did it at the last minute. But it was really about what was happening to black people in America. Absolutely. They did it in Mexico City, you know. But it wasn't like the Olympics became this platform for that. You know, and everybody started doing this or whatever. It was kind of an outlier what they did. And Tommy Smith yeah. and John Carlos were immediately kicked out of the Olympics. They and never came recovered. Home, they never recovered. Got death threats. Their family got death never threats. Recovered. They couldn't get a job. It was horrible. And I was I ran track when I was a kid. You know, and that that hurt my feelings. Yeah. You know, they made the ultimate like, sacrifice. Was, they did. They made the ultimate sacrifice for an expression of an idea. Correct. And. They lived with that and they accepted it. They didn't like it, but they accepted it. Colin Kaepernick has done a similar thing to that. And I'm glad you brought that up. Paying the price right now. Yes, he's paying the price. And a lot of people are mad at the price that he's paying and are making that the issue. And that's not the issue. It is not the issue of why he was protesting. He wasn't protesting not being able to play in the NFL. You know, that's not what he was protesting. You know, the fact that that it's being that they don't like what he did and they feel that her business is not hiring is a separate issue. But it's kind of become the issue for some people. And then other people have taken the issue of the anthem itself as an issue and say, well, the anthem was racist. I'm like, fuck you guys. America was racist. Why are you picking on the anthem? Soda shops are racist. You can pick anything in America that was racist, you know. It's not the anthem doesn't stand alone as something that has a racist past. Everything has a racist expiration date as far as I'm concerned, you know, in America. So that's not the issue, you know. 
I think it's a nice thing, you know, when you have that national anthem, whatever. Some people don't like it, whatever. But that's not even the point. My point is the thing that he was doing, the powerful thing that he was doing has lost its meaning. First of all, he's not there doing it, for one thing, you know. And the people that are doing it are either doing it as a response to Donald Trump when he said these sons of bitches or whatever. So they're doing it kind of defiance, which I don't believe is the reason to do it because there are other ways to do that. And then some people are doing it because they want Kaepernick to get a job back, which is not the reason to kneel during the national anthem, (laughs) you know. So I think it's lost its meaning, you know. And to me, the big point that I want to make in this is people need to remember what protests are about and that there needs to be function and structure around them. Like, you see people online all the time, we got to protest Waffle House now. They treated black women poorly. Guys, why are you protesting Waffle House now? How many things are we going to protest, you know? Protests need to have organization and thought behind them and have yeah. a purpose behind them. You know, it can't just be an incident where something happened and now we, now there's a big protest. <laughs> it needs to be a little more thoughtful than that. But on the issue of police brutality and, and some of these things, Meek Mill, I brought that up because it brings up the issue of unfairness in the legal system, the justice system. This, to me, all comes down to voting, you know, and making people aware of the how important their votes are in America and putting some energy around that and information around that. And that gets lost all the time. And I wish people would do that and talk about the political system and how important their voices are and not just focus on a guy getting back his job as quarterback. That's not the issue. Right. It really isn't. Whether he plays in the NFL again is irrelevant to me. You know, I think if he if he has brought attention to the police issue, God bless him. That's great. But I think that's even gone now. It became an issue of, like, Trump even usurped that by making it about him and everything. That's why I think players shouldn't kneel anymore. I think it's lost its meaning. That's my personal opinion. Okay. Yeah, no, it's a— I don't think it's it's powerful symbolism at this point. I really don't. Many of them are just football players, and they're doing this out of solidarity, and I get that. Many Because football players are very loyal people. You know, they have teams in it, and I get that. And if you're an African-American person of color or if you have empathy towards that, yeah, you want to do something out of solidarity. I get that. I think we have to be smarter than that. You know, just because you feel something doesn't mean it's the smartest thing to do. There needs to be intention. There needs to be purpose behind the intention. There needs to be thought. That's what organizing is all about. The civil rights movement wasn't an accident of somebody just sitting at a lunch counter and wanting to get served. That had thought and purpose and intention and planning and outcomes that were thought about and thought through. And those outcomes were achieved. Some were not, but many were gone after, like Voting Rights Act, Civil Rights Act. Things happened. We got to do something, though, Larry. Yes, you got to help we us. Need you, Zach. We need you, We got to do something. No, <laughs> we need you. You have a bigger platform. So anyhow, whether Kanye says he loves Trump or whatever, people don't want to buy his albums. I don't know. But Tweezy is not going to change my mind about get me down about the world or something because Tweezy likes Trump. But are you less likely to support his music? It doesn't matter. It's not an issue in my life. Tweezy means very little to me into my life. Fair. Yes. Fair. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I want him to mean less to you, Zach, is what I'm saying. Uh, he's beginning to more and more. Okay, well, there you go. Now we're yeah. great. Zach, everybody. Zach, will you have another conversation with me? Absolutely. Time? I like unpacking things with Zach. It's fun. All right. We have Governor Inslee. From the state of Washington. We had a conversation a few days ago. Now, he breaks down a lot of these issues that are out there that are very important. The governor is a very interesting guy. He had the viral moment with Trump 
where he kind of spoke out against him during the Parkland thing. We had a really interesting conversation. So stick around for that. I think you'll enjoy it. And uh, teach the babies, man. Tweezy Yeezy. <laughs> Thanks, Zach. Thanks, All Zach. Right, we'll be back right after this. All right, well, welcome back. Um, I'm very much happy to uh, welcome to the show Governor Jay Inslee from the great state of Washington. Thank you. I, this is How's a real going? huge honor for you to have me on your show. I it is. I can't sing. I can't dance. <laughs> I got no talent. You still have me on your Wait, show. Wait, no That's talent? Great. You've been elected to, to be a governor, for you goodness sake. You don't need talent to be elected. You just need to have a you big just... heart and a strong spine. Well, that, uh, you, I think you're right. Uh, we were just talking before we started. I was looking at the governor's record the other day. And I was so impressed. And I have to tell you, one of the issues I was impressed by, I want to talk about this Trump thing in a second, was your women rights voting. You know, because a lot of times that type of voting, like on abortion and those type of issues, can be so controversial. And you said you'd rather be certain about something than right all the time. Is that what you're saying? Or is it well, phrased I think that again? Be, I'd like to be both. Yeah. Uh, I, it, what I was trying to say is you need to be confident in your positions based yes, on, confident. Your, on, in, right. on, on your convictions. Yes, uh, even though it's politically inconvenient, and I've always taken that position. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I was pro-choice running in a mm-hmm. very red Republican area in 1988. Wow. Uh, you know, in Washington for, State. In Washington State. Mm-hmm. Uh, I voted for the assault weapon ban in 1994 when mm. I represented a very red Republican yeah. rural uh, you know, area in eastern Washington. Mm-hmm. So I have found that that is a good way to uh, represent your people and your yeah. convictions, and you can sleep at night. And I've really never wavered. And, and frankly, I just I have not had any regrets about taking yeah. those positions. You know, I lost my seat in 1994 over voting for the assault weapon bill, but I've I've never regretted that. It was the right yeah. vote then. It's the right vote now. Mm-hmm. The history has shown that uh, being pro-choice from day one is something that I have felt uh, strongly about. I am married to a very strong woman, uh-huh. and we uh, see eye to eye on almost everything, <laughs> including that. So that's been right. helpful as well. <laughs> yeah. No, you've been an advocate for a long time. Yeah, it is something that I feel like politicians always seem to be weighing that uh, devil's bargain between what they believe in and staying in office. You know, and uh, I really admire the people that, regardless of whether they get if it's going to affect their vote, you know, whether they stay in office, that they're going to vote their convictions. Well, and I, I you know, I think people mm-hmm. respect folks who have convictions and yeah. will hew to them, even if they might disagree with you uh, on occasion. Right. But uh, those things, you know, having deep convictions, I think, uh, leads to more support in mm-hmm. your in your electoral prospects. People know, uh, you know, I, I've been fighting for the same things for a long time. I've been fighting yeah. for clean energy and defeating climate change now for over 10 years. Right. It's been something deep embedded in me that we need to defeat climate change. Mm-hmm. And I've not wavered on that. And and frankly, some of the things that uh, I've argued for are now coming to pass. In fact, I was just at a clean energy forum this morning mm-hmm. with uh, uh, your mayor and, and Kate Brown. And I was with uh, Senator Reid in Nevada meeting with the clean energy industries and I was just thinking about the things I predicted. I wrote a book about this about 10 years ago uh-huh. that were going to come to pass in the clean energy realm are now happening. Yeah. So y- you get a sense of, uh, if not vindication, at least it's confidence builder when uh-huh. you've hewed to the same path, you've shown it has been successful, and uh, things have gone well. Yeah. Well, a lot of um, climate positions, I'm not an expert on on the climate stuff, but a lot of the positions in the beginning were kind of visionary. 
you know, even Gore's book, you know, Earth in the Balance, you mm-hmm. know, back in the day. And and it takes a while, I think, for people to catch up to what some few people can see coming, you know. And it's always interesting to me, the people who can see those things and also have the courage of their convictions to have prescriptions for it, too, you know. Well, you know, not everybody can sit around thinking about climate change. Right. That's why you have people in public life. It's their job to do a little advanced and, thinking. And it's also, <laughs> the, it's also the critique about it as well. It's like, look, there are more important things than whether the Earth's going to be hotter 50 years from now. No, I just, right? you know, basically, I don't, as far as the long-term future mm-hmm. of our grandchildren, there's nothing more important because the mm-hmm. ability of my state, which is under attack by climate change, and mm-hmm. California as well, you look at your fires and your mud fl- yeah. mudslides and— We've experienced the same thing. You really can't overstate the nature of the threat to our grandchildren, but you also can't overstate the optimism that we should have mm-hmm. in our ability to beat climate change because the kind of things that I said were going to happen 10 years ago on the success side of the equation are happening. And, you know, I wrote about electric cars. Now, 10 years ago, people right. scoffed at that idea. In fact, yeah. I brought, a, I brought a, a GM Volt that didn't even have an engine to Congress right. in 19 19- you know, 2007, and people laughed at it. Mm -hmm. And I said, hey, stick with it. It's going to come. Well, now, you know, we have 35,000 people waiting to get an electric car and and driving them all over. In the state of Washington, we've just bought our first 100 uh, GM uh, bolts for the state. Mm -hmm. This is happening very, very rapidly. The price is coming down dramatically. You look solar power. Uh, I basically argued that we would be able to have huge amounts of solar power, and we're mm-hmm. doing it because it's the price has come down 75%. Why do you think the right has been so snotty against some of these things? And and let me ask this in a, in a slightly uh, specific way here. Mm-hmm. Part of it I don't understand because the right has always, and when I mean the right, I mean conservatives, you know, Republicans, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Like they've always had on their sleeves um, America exceptional is an America first right. let's support America and they're not wrong in many of that especially American businesses mm-hmm. and a lot of the innovations in new technology and so is actually coming from America sure this is we've got the most yes. visionary entrepreneurs I in, agree in the, in the world but there's kind of a snottiness towards electric right. cars and right. where do why is that what is that about is that a cultural well, it's thing it's a $64,000 question yeah. I'm glad you I don't understand it. it's a very truthfully. important one because you know it's interesting Nowhere else in the world today Mm -hmm. does the conservative party deny climate change. Not in England, not in Germany. Or just better technology. Or better technology. Like it would be snotty against... A computer, you know, or that's what I mean. I don't understand that, you know, the snidiness towards good technological advancement. So I have a theory. It is only a theory, but Mm -hmm. I will will share it with you because I've given a lot of thought to this. This became, unfortunately, seen through a partisan lens. Mm -hmm. And it's a very unfortunate thing. When when did that happen? You know, uh, shoot, 15 years ago it mm-hmm. started to happen. It has not happened in Europe or South America or anywhere else looking at this through a partisan end. It, people in the rest of the world have just looked at this as, look, if we've got a good technology, if you can make an electric car that's cheap and runs well or a solar panel that runs well, let's just use it. Don't look right. at it through an ideological lens. What do you think caused the divide? Here is my thinking mm-hmm. is, is that it is it is not a lack of intelligence by, you know, Republicans. They, they you know, intelligence mm-hmm. folks. They have scientific knowledge. It's not a lack of science. What it is is that I believe that the Republican Party has shackled itself to a sinking ship, Mm -hmm. which was looking at this as we're going to reject the clear climate science because if we accept it, that means we'll have to do something about it. We'll have to have some 
price on carbon, or we'll have to do some research on clean right. energy, or we'll have to have some policies like we have in California that have been very successful in growing Absolutely. the economy right. and giving people more transportation options. Shoot, I was in Las Vegas uh, yesterday uh, meeting with the clean energy industry, mm-hmm. and the CFO, former CFO of, of MGM, they just unveiled a 100-megawatt plant mm-hmm. of, uh, of silicon cells that are going to power the entire MGM wow. corporate structure throughout yeah, Nevada. That's, that's the kind of thing that is happening. Yeah. So I think, unfortunately, the Republican Party, uh, you know, just shackled themselves to this, this uh, uh, you know, uh, weight they've got to drag around because they're afraid to say, if we ever recognize uh-huh. the utility of clean energy, if we ever recognize the threat of climate change, then we'll have to do something about it. Right. We and may have means, to agree with we them. We may have to agree with <laughs> Democrats. And we right. may have to do some common sense things. And, yeah. they, and they intrinsically are so ideologically opposed to the government doing anything yes. that they that I, they followed ideology. And I just think that... Uh, our children are are, are worth, uh, you know, shucking your ideology and accepting yeah. the practical results. And what is going on now is we're starting to build a clean energy economy mm-hmm. because we've got such great entrepreneurs, because we've got right. such great scientists. You know, in my state, you look at my state, we have um, uh, employment is growing twice as fast in the clean energy economy than the rest of the economy, twice as fast. Really? And we have the largest manufacturing. And you have Boeing there, too. And we have right? Boeing. Listen, we had a great economy, but the clean right. energy sector's uh, growing faster than any other That's sector. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So we've got the largest manufacturer of carbon fiber that goes into electric cars. Mm-hmm. we got the uh, largest manufacturer of vanadium flow batteries that can integrate solar power into the electrical Did you say grid. vibranium? Vanadium, excuse no. me. I don't know what I said. <laughs> no, I was vana- like, wait. Is, <laughs> I discovered is, a new Is element. Wakanda in Washington? <laughs> you guys have vibranium? What's going on? <laughs> if, if it's there, oh my God! If they're there, we'll invent it. No, it's vanadium flow, and it came right. out. It was interesting. Uh, I was actually thinking about this uh, uh, yesterday. Mm-hmm. We fought in 2009 for the stimulus package yes. under Barack Obama's leadership. Mm-hmm. You thank, voted for that. Thank that God was, that yes. he did mm-hmm. what he did, and we rescued the or helped rescue the economy from yes. you know, a terrible depression that was coming. And there's still snidiness against there's that. Still by the that. Way, but one of the understand. things. Well, we did, I do understand that. Yeah. One of the things mm-hmm. we really did well is invest in clean energy, and one of the things we did is mm-hmm. invest in battery storage, uh-huh, okay. because in order to integrate solar energy or wind energy, you have to right. have battery storage because you know it's not always windy, so you have to be able to store Correct. that energy. So investing in research on battery storage has been very successful. We put ninety million dollars mm-hmm. in clean energy. I know Tesla's now, doing a lot in that. Tesla uh, has a gigafactory, largest yeah, factory in, in Nevada today. Too. In fact, I met with their their uh, executives yesterday about it in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. So that research has resulted in some tremendous companies. One of which is UAA UE uh, Energy in Muckleteal, Washington. They build mm-hmm. this biggest. Vanadium battery, vibranium <laughs> again. There you go. <laughs> that can integrate that. Uh, solar energy. We want you to grid. drive an electric car. <laughs> <laughs> that was my Wakanda accent. There you go. There. I got it. There you go. Got I got it. it. I can so pull that working. out anytime. By the, way. the point is, it's yeah. working, and, and we have real uh, solutions for real people. I really believe in my bones, and I'll tell you why I say in my bones. I was I ran track when I was a kid, and I'm mm-hmm. from Southern California, mm-hmm. and the smog was so bad back then. This is early seventies. Right. It was terrible. We had smog alerts all the time here, mm-hmm. Governor. And my chest used to hurt constantly. Mm-hmm. And California did things like catalytic converters right. and, you know, they started that type of thing and putting the the contraptions on the gas and unleaded gasoline yep. and all yep. these types of all types of things. Mm-hmm. And I you rarely see a smog alert called anymore. Yep. You know, I've never had a day where my chest hurts 
uh, running. It's fascinating. And so I know for a fact, like, and that's not just government, that's a combination of public and private. And to me, public and private working together in an effective way. That's how we got, man, you know, that's how we got to the moon for Christ's yeah. sake. Like, I don't, there's so much snidiness towards any type of government involvement in mm-hmm. things, you know. Well, what, you know, we ought to be optimistic yeah. in our ability to beat climate change. And the reason is, is look now, at when our you history. say beat it, that's what I, that's the part that I don't understand. Like, how do you beat it? Because, because, you know, I love science and I love history and everything. And I mm-hmm. know that climate is going to change anyway. Even if, even if we weren't sending things into the atmosphere, the climate's changed. We had a, an ice age, you know. Right. It's been getting warmer since the ice age, right. but it certainly got cold during that time. We're, we consider ourselves accelerating, but when we say stop it, what does that mean? What it means is— Because I, I think language is careful. Is I think important that's important here. to bring it up. I actually yeah. have not heard that. I think that's an important issue. I would respond this way. Well, I think Mars is getting warmer. You know? I, I would respond this way. And I don't think there's any, anybody up there polluting it. We understand the Earth has been— uh, has changed dramatically. Mm-hmm. There were glaciers over Seattle of a thousand feet right. thick, right? Ten thousand years ago or so. Mm-hmm. So we recognize the changes happened over geological time. Right. But this has never happened before. This rate of change. This is an accelerated. This time. is an accelerated right. time period. The the world is never known to to our knowledge, mm-hmm. and it threatens the very basics of what we enjoy in California and Washington, and mm-hmm. it is threatening it today. Now look, this is personal with me. I got three grandkids. Mm-hmm. I want them to be able to hike in the woods. Well, the woods are burning down in the state of Washington. We've had are you the guys largest, having more drought? Oh, yes. We've had larger See, and drought. And it rains forever in it Washington. It rains yes. a bunch. But yeah. in the summer, we've had more drought and hotter temperatures, and we've had forests that are dying Wow! because the beetles are eating them because the, the winters aren't cold enough to kill the beetles. Mm-hmm. So the point is this treasure and legacy that I have enjoyed, I want my grandkids to be able to enjoy it, and their grandkids to enjoy it, and they are right. not going to be able to do that. So beating it means to reduce our pollution, which Mm -hmm. is carbon and methane and a few other gases, greenhouse gases, in reducing that to a level which we do not uh, essentially destroy the legacy of our grandchildren and their health as Mm -hmm. well. You know, we got asthma. Look, we got this epidemic of asthma going yeah, on we associated do. with particulate that's, that's matter true. you get when you burn. That's when different you burn. from just uh, pollen and that type yeah, of thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so this is a this is a, a legacy issue, mm-hmm. and and to do that, it's you know, in a sense, this is a really simple problem. We got to figure out how not to put carbon pollution, carbon dioxide, and methane into the air. It's really simple. It's like not mm-hmm. rocket science in that sense. And we have to do it in very dramatic ways. We have to reduce over time in the next several decades mm-hmm. our pollution by maybe 80% or more in order to prevent these, these 80%? Dire, that's right. In order to, now, we have to largely decarbonize our economy over the next okay, several decades. Okay, let me ask you this. When you say 80% and you say we, are you just talking about the United States? No. Or are you talking about the Western world? Or are you talking, talking about, about the entire world? The entire world. Okay. Our global how, do, how does one do that? The way we're doing it right now, first off, we have an agreement, the Paris Agreement, that has been negotiated. I was going to ask you about and that. And Barack mm-hmm. Obama uh, helped us do that in the entire well, then rest of the world. Well, then it can't be any good, according to that. <laughs> right. <laughs> the entire rest of the world is signed on. Right. And we're moving forward in 15 states. Uh, I led an effort with your Governor Brown. Mm-hmm. We have a group called the United States Climate Alliance, and we have 15 states that are mm-hmm. now working together to reduce carbon emissions. And, here's and the, the Paris th- Agreement, Not uh, I, want, I don't want you to forget where you're going. The Paris Agreement, to me, feels like— an agreement as opposed to, you know, a treaty, you know, or that sort of thing. You know, it feels like, look, guys, 
let's do this. <laughs> you know, let's get this. It feels like something that's more done in the spirit of doing the right thing because it feels to me when I looked at the Paris Agreement and, you know, saw what it was, it's hard to really enforce the Paris Agreement. It feels like it's a good faith type of agreement. Is that fair to I say I think that? it's maybe halfway between the maybe two. Maybe a little bit of both. It's more than just a good faith agreement mm-hmm. because of the way it was negotiated. But but here's the good news. Okay. Um, and I've been very active to make sure the world knows that we're still in it, mm-hmm. that we're moving forward. California, Washington, Oregon, British Columbia, 15 other, 14 other states. We're moving. Okay. And that's important. And what has happened is not one single uh, state, not one single city, not one single country has abandoned their effort to defeat climate change when Donald Trump uh, uh, surrendered to climate change right. when he said we're going to leave the Paris Agreement. Mm-hmm. So there's some really good news. The whole rest of the world is is moving in this direction, mm-hmm. and in real ways. Look, uh, uh, how, how do you come? United back? Kingdom, United Kingdom, the last two days mm-hmm. was total, uh, uh, totally powered by renewable energy. The last two days, it's a record. So this is an achievable okay. thing. We're doing it around the world, and we ought to be excited about it. So even despite the erratic decision-making coming from Trump, which right. is different than just what you have to face with the true opposition of somebody that has an ideological difference. Right. Trump has an erratic unpredictability. So, you know, with that, it's just, it's just hard to accomplish these types of things. But what we should mm-hmm. realize is he is going to be a blip in mm-hmm. history. It is a blip. Really? Do you think so? Very much so, and I'll tell you why. Because okay. it is, it is I love a this. I haven't heard this relatively yet. short uh, mm-hmm. period of interruption of our national progress, which wow. will be restored when we have a new president, and it's going to be helped to have some new congressmen and, and women as well. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that is that we are moving forward. These 15 states I talked talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, we represent 40% of the United States economy. If we were a single nation, we would be the third largest nation economy in the world. Mm-hmm. I'm not suggesting that we become a separate nation, mm-hmm. okay? But I'm suggesting that what we're doing is very important. Right. So our progress is continuing, and I do believe we will be in a blip, and that's how the rest of the world has seen it. That's why they have not pulled out of the Paris Agreement. Mm-hmm. It's why we are continuing we have something like 270 cities that have also agreed to move mm-hmm. across the United States. And people want to see this progress. So this vision has captured the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. And the vision has captured the business community. So Microsoft has embedded a carbon price in their operations. I told you MGM is going to be total renewable energy. Right. Business people recognize this as, as a tremendous opportunity. Mm-hmm. And it is because... You know, America does well, and my state does well, and California does well when there's a technological transition. When there was a transition to jet airplanes, Mm -hmm. my state did very well. So did our state. And And so did your state. When we've had a transition from analog to Mm -hmm. digital computing, our states both did well, and the United States has done well. Actually, even with the Cold War... California did well. That's true. So the the point is, anytime there's a technological transition, Mm -hmm. our states, our nation does well. And this is the largest transition probably in human history to decarbonize your economy and go to uh, non-carbon basis of of energy. Then let me ask you this, Governor. Um, Trump did win the election, right? There was a Brexit that happened there. There is also a counter movement that's going on in the world. But here in America, people talk about you know, the forgotten people and all this kind of stuff. And there's, like, Trump will focus, and not just Trump, but many people who support Trump, like, they focus on, like, coal and coal mining, which to me seems insane, you know, to be, you know, not coal miner workers, who, of course, you want to care about, but the coal mining industry, I don't know why we would be concerned so much about 
to me, an industry that seems so in the past. You know, there just seems like there's much better ways. I know we still use coal, but, you know, we used horses a lot when we were inventing cars. Yeah. You know, we made a transition. And yeah. actually, cars were actually a green technology when they first came sure. out. When you they know. were first in the electric. Too. Yes. The first cars were they actually were. peanut oil and yeah, electricity. Yeah. <laughs> but all the waste that came from horses, like in a place like New right. York, you know, was such right. a, a health hazard, mm -hmm. as well as all kinds of The cars were actually a green technology yeah. when they first came out, you know. Yeah. But that concerns me that there's another push in other directions, you know, and, and because he was elected, that's also to be reckoned with. Like, how do you fight that type of thinking? That you have to hold on to this past and you have to, there's a different type of energy that's driving well, I think, and gets in the way of, of forward progress. I think what we're seeing is there are millions of people who understand they were hoodwinked by a con man in the last election cycle. Mm -hmm. They now understand because they've seen the, the art of the big con. Nothing, almost nothing but falsehood coming across the tweets almost every single morning. Mm -hmm. And they've had a belly full of it, frankly. And they've seen him. He said he was going to restore coal jobs. That has not happened. He said he was going to help, you know, real working people. But he turned around and gave all the tax cuts to the, right. to the billionaires and top 1%. He said he was going to restore some trade policy, which is now really hurting a lot of the rural economies. Look, the people who are growing soybeans right now. No, he's so irresponsible. Those, and now those, he's trying to crawl back to TPP. Those folks... Right. Those folks Mm -hmm. are now feeling the brunt of that sure. decision. So I think there are a lot of people that are going to have big buyer's remorse, mm -hmm. and that's going to happen this November, where I believe there's going to be a blue wave, where we're going to have Democrats elected across the United States, mm -hmm. in part because of that, and in part because we are now demonstrating in real terms the job creation potential of clean energy. Look, there's 250,000 people. Solar jobs are growing, you know, 10 times faster than coal jobs, which mm -hmm. are actually receding. And that's happening because the price is coming down so quickly in these new – it has come down 75 percent for solar power mm -hmm. just in the last seven years. Wind energy has come down 25 percent. So you can't argue with reality. And the reality is we're growing jobs by the bucket full mm -hmm. uh, in clean energy technologies. Now, when, when you say that, here's what I hear. If we're growing jobs and the economy is doing well, I say president gets rewarded for that. I well, mean, not if historically, he's it. doesn't matter. <laughs> historically, economy good. President does well. I don't you know? think. I don't think that. I'm gonna. It, I'm gonna. Uh, I, I hear you. I hear mm -hmm. you. I hear you. What you're saying. I'm very skeptical. I'm not on the Trump's not going to get reelected train in 2020. I'm not convinced of that yet. Well, uh, good. It shows you're going to make sure you vote. We need you to vote. So that's great. Why do you think I'm doing this show? <laughs> <laughs> no, Why do you think we're having you... this conversation? I don't want my prediction to come true. I appreciate, but, I appreciate but I'm very that. concerned about it. Now, let me ask you this about Trump because. One of the reasons that we were talking earlier that we were so excited to have you, we were so impressed when you, and it took, I think, you don't, you probably don't think it took a lot of courage because you're just speaking your mind, but when you spoke mm -hmm. out to the president on the heels of that Parkland shooting, mm -hmm. which was very, an, such an emotional thing because we see, you know, I have children too, you know, to, to see kids killed in such a vulnerable place, you know, and for you to speak up to the president, you know, less tweeting and more listening. Mm -hmm. I mean, what what was that moment like? And what did you mean when you were talking to him about more listening? Did you mean that to him directly or to us collectively? 
Well, it was <clears throat> it, it's it was a very normal moment mm-hmm. because I was speaking my mind. You were speaking your mind, and, yes, and exactly. It is clear to me that this president needs to hear those voices, mm-hmm. and I don't believe he does hear enough voices challenging him because mm-hmm. his narcissism prevents him from having right. people around him to express then. If people do express that, he fires them. Yes. So he needs to ha- hear those voices in the way I, I was just doing it. In fact, I told him this specifically. I was just bringing the voices of teachers uh, over, you know, several million teachers mm-hmm. across the United States who thinks it was just a boneheaded idea to put, you know, Glock 45s on the on the hips of first grade teachers. That oh, is not a way crazy. to solve this problem. Right. So I basically was saying... Uh, they were talking about that in the moment. That's right? correct. And, that I, and I was mm-hmm. that, that was the issue of the meeting, essentially. Right. Trump was proposing that and he then he tried to walk to it back. He was proposing to arm right. teachers. And, right. And so I just looked at it that I was carrying a message to him from the teachers. I come from a family of teachers. My mm-hmm. dad was a great teacher. My yeah. brother's a great teacher. And and so I wanted him to hear that voice, and, mm-hmm. that, and so I wanted to express them. Frankly, I don't think we have had enough people being willing to, in a respectful, civil way, confront his positions. People have been a little too intimidated by uh, his position. He, he needs to hear those voices, it seems to me. And so I, I you know, mm-hmm. express that myself in that way. And we need to continue that effort. We cannot allow uh, this president to be seen as a normal uh, uh, situation in the United States. Mm-hmm. The damage he has done to aspects of civility, a general expectation that will people will be held to the truth mm-hmm. and that constant repetitive lying will not be seen as normal conduct and public policy. Uh, the chaos he has caused by having whipsawing policies every two hours mm-hmm. of reversing himself. Uh, the divisiveness in Charlottesville after that to say that there's no moral distinction between those who are protesting in favor of civil rights and those who are in favor of racial discrimination, mm-hmm. those things cannot be expect, accepted as normal. We cannot allow the normalization of Donald Trump to infect democracy in this country. Right. And so I think all of us have some obligation to speak up and out in the appropriate way. I'm glad we are. I'm glad we have uh, you know, young people walking out of school to say we need gun safety mm-hmm. uh, laws, and, and I've I've joined them. I'm glad we had 140,000 people in pink hats to protest his misogyny and, and abu- yeah. abuse of, of women across the United States, in, right. in you know, both personally and politically. What, so what I'm you, glad that's happening. What do you think is the biggest obstacle in the gun conversation? Uh, well, uh, unfortunately, we haven't had elected officials who yet, although this is changing, I believe, have mm-hmm. been willing to stand up for the beliefs of their citizens because citizens, mm-hmm. by vast majorities, want common sense gun legislation. They want to ban bump stocks. They want to close the gun shoe loophole. They want to make sure that people with mental illness who are risk to themselves uh, don't have access to firearms. These things have vast majorities. But to date, a lot of members of of elected officials have not been able to vote for those things for one reason or another. Now, that's changing, I believe, because people are no longer going to accept excuses. Mm -hmm. They're basically telling politicians, don't come home until you've stood up uh, to the NRA on this. And the NRA is losing rapidly the clout that they've had in that regard because Mm -hmm. people want some common sense. You know, I was just in Nevada, and I'm chairman of the Democratic Governors Association. Yes. And, and I was in Nevada helping uh, that election. And incredibly, uh, the Republican candidate in Nevada 
hasn't even voiced support for a, a ban on bump stocks after we had the, the tragedy it's in the crazy, casino It's crazy, but shooting. Nevada's a big gun state. It's, it's still mm-hmm. unbelievable to yeah. me that, that, that he would not be willing to, to no, show that. So uh, I think this November you're going to see a lot of people who will be elected in part because they're willing mm-hmm. to express support for some common sense measures who are not afraid the NRA and are willing to do their job, which is to stand up for their people. And I think that's going to happen. So I think this issue is changing, actually. Yeah, the gun issue, I'm very skeptical, and it's another one of my skeptical issues. (laughs) Well, because, you know— I can't even hardly make jokes about it, and I love making jokes. That's good. You're <laughs> yeah. good at it, too. You should keep it oh, up. Oh, no, you're very kind. But it's <laughs> because it's sad to me because I think it goes deeper than just what gun laws can uh, affect. You know, there's something ingrained in our culture here. And, like, I don't know how you stop somebody doing what that person did at Parkland. I mean, a lot of the talk to me I call time machine prescriptions. Like mm-hmm. if you can go in a time machine and do this, then maybe the person can get the thing. Mm-hmm. But the fact is it uh, it's happened. We can't make those kids come back to life. Mm-hmm. You know, the same with Sandy Hook. And now every law in the time machine might have stopped somebody, but not in real time. Yeah. You know, well, I and that's what worries me is these things that happen in real time, you know, and that are happening all the time. Governor, I'm very concerned about it because and people come up with all these excuses. Well, we got kids got to stop being bullied. I remember when the Columbine thing happened. Mm-hmm. You know what? Almost every kid in my class got bullied, but not one of us thought about bringing yeah. an AK-15 yeah. into the classroom and just mowing everybody down. Yeah. You know. Well, this is uh, very personal to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, a fellow I know. It is to me wife, as well. They yeah. lost their daughter in the shooting, and they came to when we banned bump stocks. So I signed a bill banning bump stocks. Yeah. Uh, this session of the legislature, and they lost their daughter. Uh, in the Las Vegas shooting. So mm-hmm. I, I recognize this on a personal uh, basis. We just have to have the courage to stand up to the NRA and, and vote for some decent laws that are common sense. Will they eliminate all violence? No. Mm-hmm. But, you you know, it's just ridiculous this argument has the NRA saying we should do nothing because mm-hmm. we can't do everything. Right. And that's just a, a ludicrously <clears throat> uh, boneheaded approach mm-hmm. to public policy. So these things are effective. Uh, when we closed the gun show loophole, we did it by initiative. The vote of the people here closed the gun show loophole in my mm-hmm. state a couple years ago. And we have stopped uh, over 100 people who should not have ha- access to guns mm-hmm. from getting guns. We adopted an extreme risk protection order, which would allow people, the law enforcement, to take guns away from those who are at risk uh, to others or themselves. And this has helped dozens of people already in a short period of time. So these things uh, do work. And, and we ought to do them. And many people against that say that's the Second Amendment slippery slope. Well, know? they've been— uh, I you think know, the Second a, Amendment itself is a slippery slope. Well, I tell you what, <laughs> you hear a lot— Not that I'm against the Second Amendment, but I'm just—as an observation, it's so broad in what it—in what you—how you can interpret it, you know, and it's— So we have a way, a really— Just the term bare arms. Right, you know? right. We have a really good way of finding out— whether these laws violate the Second Amendment. Do you think the Second court, Amendment needs to be amended at all? I'm not even—I t- don't have to talk about that because mm-hmm. we don't have to at the moment because these things are consistent with the Second Amendment. Here's okay. all I know. We've gone to court. We've mm-hmm. got rulings by the court right up to the U.S. Supreme Court. And we have won the vast majority of these cases where the courts have held uh, bans on bump stocks, mm-hmm. uh, bans on assault weapons, uh, efforts to have extreme risk protection orders. The courts have ruled these things are all consistent with the Second Amendment. Mm-hmm. So you hear a lot of propaganda from the NRA on this, but the reality is when we go to court, we find these things 
uh, survive a court challenge. And we ought to continue to do these common sense things. People mm-hmm. want them. They're constitutional. The judges allow it. And we save people's lives because of it. And we ought to, we ought to continue that effort. Definitely. So you are the chair of the uh, Democratic Governors Association for this. For, is it a one-year thing or is it two years? One year, you know, you probably— And it's for this election coming up, Yes, right? for this election. Right. So, uh, and I'm active in helping people mm-hmm. uh, uh, choose the right governor. And, and, mm-hmm. and we got a lot of great governors this year. And we're going to do, I think, very, very well this year. Well, let uh, me ask you because this. Because I think a wave is building. Do you have an opinion about what ha- what happened to the Democrats? Um, when you look at the last 10 years, all the— Local state legislatures and so many legislatures turned red, you know, all over the country. You know, um, do you have an idea about that? Like what what's going on? I have a little bit of an idea. I think some of it is gerrymandering. Actually. Well, listen, I, you, you just know. put your finger right on the heart of the problem, which mm-hmm. is gerrymandering. Gerrymandering is, is a cancer on democracy. It's, I, it's I a, agree with it you is wholeheartedly. the only way to describe right. it. And because what happens in gerrymandering mm-hmm. is the politicians decide right. who your member of Congress is. You don't because you, yes. you, you have no legitimate choice in the right. matter. And, and people it, are so asleep to the impact of yeah. zoning and those sorts yeah. of things. It, 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 it's, it's, right. been, it's been a hidden cancer. It That's is. why it's been so right. deadly. And it is the predominant reason that the Democrats have suffered losses. Look, we have about a 29 seat, structural majority by the Republicans just because of gerrymandering in the House of Representatives. That is significant. And it has happened dramatically across state legislators. You look at Ohio, for instance. Ohio is a 50-50 state, Mm -hmm. but it's two to one for Republicans in Congress. Pennsylvania is a 50-50 state, but it's two to one for Republicans in Congress. This is exclusively a result of the gerrymandering process. Now, here's the good news, Mm -hmm. frankly. Um, My party has been a little sleep at the switch. We have not been as uh, committed to electing governors and legislators. Why? We have been more focused on senators and presidents. Is it more glamorous? It's it's more national. Mm-hmm. We have not realized the consequences of having, A, a bad governor, and B, one who would accept gerrymandering. Mm-hmm. That's changing very rapidly. Our organization is more dynamic it's ever been. We've mm-hmm. increased our donations 30% from individual contributors. We We've done really good things in California because people understand in California, it's important to have a governor of Pennsylvania to stop gerrymandering in Pennsylvania Mm -hmm. so we can get some Democrats in Congress so we can pass some legislation favorably (laughs) to California. Exactly. So we we now are having national— It's it's not just about the representatives from California. It's your other representatives. Yes, that's so important. And that is happening— That's such a good point. That is happening big time, Mm -hmm. and Democrats have finally awoke. We call this the Great Awakening. They're getting woke. (laughs) We're getting woke. This is where the vibranium comes back. This is what we mean by woke, all right. We're (laughs) woke. Exactly. We're on to the gerrymandering problem, and and I do believe we're going to make progress on this mm-hmm. uh, because one and because frankly the things the Republicans have been proposing have been extremely unpopular. Look, mm-hmm. they want to take away and have tried every way from Sunday, but they have failed to take away health care from seven hundred thousand right. people in my state. Now, well, and they've sabotaged it along the way as well. We right. had. 20,000 yeah. people treated for opioid addiction in right. my state. Yeah. We have an opioid crisis, and what is their response? Try to take away health care so you can't get treatment yeah. for your drug disorder. <laughs> right. We've had 30,000, 40,000 people treated for cancer. This is a wildly unpopular position, and their ideology has driven them 
to do this. So we think the, the, the country is going to have a, an awakening this no, November, mm-hmm. and I'm glad to be in this position to, to help um, governors. And we got some great candidates. We don't ton of great women candidates. Absolutely. You know, we, that we, makes me so happy. We need more uh, women in elected office in Definitely. general, and particularly in governor's races. And we have tremendous candidates in Colorado and mm-hmm. Michigan and and uh, and uh, Ohio, it, it's just exciting to see the development because what we have seen is we've seen so many women. In fact, there's a woman named Monica Dingra. She woke up right after the election and said, I can't. I can't allow this to happen anymore. She's she from? She's from Let's Redmond, Washington, Washington. So she's okay. in my seat. So we had a mm-hmm. one-seat Republican majority. Mm-hmm. She woke up and said, she watched what Trump was doing, and she said, I have to do something. Mm-hmm. I got to get up and stand up against this. I'm going to run for the state Senate. She'd never been politically active, but we helped her. She won. Now we have a Democratic majority in the state Senate. And her passion to help her community, mm-hmm. prompted, frankly, by the, the cruelty and chaos of Donald Trump, <laughs> has allowed us to pass the first net neutrality bill in the right. United States, the, uh, a bill to uh, help us end uh, pay inequity amongst the genders, mm-hmm. a bill to treat women fairly for their matter of choice, a measure that has fully funded uh, education and provided full-day kindergarten mm-hmm. uh, to folks. Uh, uh, we've passed a bill to help re- restore some notion of justice in juvenile justice so we have less disparity amongst the races mm-hmm. in our criminal justice system. We've had just a chock-a-block advances in my state because of her inspiration and passion. And we're seeing that across the United States where these women candidates in particular are standing up mm-hmm. and saying, we're not taking anymore. And it's a great thing, and, and I'm excited to see people doing this. Yeah, you brought up 2016. Um, from your perspective, especially being far on the left coast up there in the corner mm-hmm. of Washington, mm-hmm. what, what, what was your take on that? Why do you think um, Hillary Clinton didn't make it over that finish line? I mean, I've heard all these whatever, blah, 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 but you have a different position. I mean, you have more of an insider's look and— that type of thing. What, what do you think happened? I, I would say, first off, I just do not spend a lot of time driving in the rearview mirror and, mm-hmm. and, and, and try to parse this thing out. You can get a million arguments about what percentage was attributable to what dynamic, and I don't spend a lot of time doing that. I'm but, always looking forward. Well, well, let me ask you this, because I'm asking it because is it – do you think there's a Democratic problem nationally or was it a candidate problem I would think uh, it was the results of the last election mm-hmm. cycle. It is my belief was largely attributable to the two individuals who are candidates, and they. So you see it as a candidate it issue. Was, it was largely a reflection mm-hmm. on the two candidates involving, together with the dynamic which people do not understand is that there is a tide in politics, and the tide always runs against the party who's in the White House. Sure. Uh, after eight years in the White House. Mm-hmm. And it is a very strong tide. And whoever was going to be the Democratic uh, candidate, mm-hmm. ask Al Gore. You are running against the tide when you follow a president of your party after eight years. And people have forgotten that dynamic. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we have a dynamic that is very different where we have an extremely unpopular president mm-hmm. who is extremely distrusted. Uh, and people really want to have a lot more uh, honest Abe and less dishonest mm-hmm. Donald. And that is now, I believe, set us up 
for a, a great success. And, and what is his and approval good rating across right Pardon? now? Do you know what his approval rating is? I don't, but it's in the you know high thirties, low forties, and but it, see, and, here's and my, that's not going to change. By I the way. know, but this, you get, said extremely. That's why that I asked extremely. that question. That is extremely. No, Governor, it's not. <laughs> the low forties is not extremely unpopular. In this position, it's not. It is. I'll tell that's you why. The, no, here's I have to stay in in reality, Gov. <laughs> I love being a cheerleader, but I. I, one of my phrases, I got to keep it 100, got to keep it 100% real, you know. That is not extremely unpopular. So I'll tell you my perspective why yeah. I say that. All right. There has never, ever okay. in American history been a president mm-hmm. in the low 40s okay. with an unemployment rate that's so low okay. and a stock market that has been doing relatively well. So when I, you I have the other it, side of that argument. When you compare it to you want me to give you the other side? Uh, yeah, I'd love to hear it. You tell me. Any president who's had an unemployment rate that low, an economy soaring, who's won for re-election and lost. I just dropped the mic. That's the drop mic. Give me a mic because I got another one to okay, drop. Okay, here's the mic. I, okay, go. here's the mic. I got, I got a go. mic. You here's got my it. mic drop. Go. But we have we're, never— We're having a mic drop off, you guys. <laughs> here's my argument. Go ahead. Drop your mic. You're right. Yes. But we've Thank never, you. We're not done mm-hmm. yet. I got one more line. I'm doing my I'm right dance. Again. I got one more mm-hmm. line. That's good. Go for it, go. Yeah, I wish I had moves like that. That's all right. So here's the deal. Gotta keep it You're right. However, you've okay. never had uh, a president right. with an economy that's good, right. with approval ladies, uh, reasons or measures this low, and those okay. are not going to change because I can guarantee you this. Donald Trump is not going to adopt a new personality in the next Granted. six in eight months. I agree. So- but I guess the most important thing is us for to say is this is an academic argument because mm-hmm. the real question is what are we going to do about yes, this? Yes, I what believe. What are we going to do about this? I, that's here's what I believe. Here. Here's what I believe, Gov. I believe 2018, I agree with you, will be historic for, mm-hmm. for Democrats. I think 2020 is a lot different. I really do. Um, mm-hmm. Obama had a very tough time in his first four years, had one of those historic overturns, 2010. But by the way— most presidents go to that. Reagan had one in 82. Mm-hmm. Clinton had a historic one in 94, as you remember, you know, that wave. I mean, it wasn't just you. A wave of people left, mm-hmm. you know, got turned over. Bush had one in 2002, I think, you know, not as big. But uh, Clinton's was historic. I think Republicans hadn't been in the majority since maybe before FDR well, I think, I think, or something. I think you and I need to take this yeah. act on the road because yes. we are the perfect but I'm just the saying, perfect team on this. That's right. I'm just saying <laughs> history says the midterm, yes, you get wiped out. But guess right. what, homies? Guess what, homies? Guess who's back <laughs> in two years? You reelected me. So mm-hmm. here's here's why That's I think we'd, make, we'd be a good team. Okay. Because we need both uh, approaches to this. Correct. We need both. We need uh, what you're expressing, which is we can't be giddy because of the position we're in right now. I, I believe you can't beat Trump on personality. This is what I'm saying. You, people have to understand that the economy is doing well. And if it continues to do well, and if people rise in the economy, even if they aren't now, but if they do, there's three years for this to happen. So let me, that is to be reckoned with because people, the Clinton said this, it's the economy stupid. They're the ones right. that called us all stupid right. for not believing it's the economy. So, now, okay, so I'm saying, all right, fine. I'm not going to be stupid anymore. You're right. It's the economy. <laughs> now what do I do? Here's why we'd be a good Sorry team. Sorry to get so talky and yappy. But, here's, here's why we'd be yeah, a okay, good go team. Okay, go for it. I'm happy because, to be on the team. Because you, 
You have mm. the right approach, which is we should not be giddy and overconfident. Correct. I have the right approach, which mm. is we're going to have a vision for economic development. I love which that. will end the income inequality or address the persistent income inequality that is keeping 50% of the American people from having meaningful wage yep. increases ever yep. and increasing homelessness. Because as we have right here in Los Angeles, because they can't yeah. afford the rents, it, yeah. and an opioid crisis is not being addressed, and mm-hmm. we're going we're gonna to present a vision statement how to do that. And I'm right. optimistic that we're going to be able to have a vision statement that will be powerful on that. Mm-hmm. We need both those approaches. We got to be realistic, and we got to be confident and optimistic, and very passionate. That's the right kind of team to have. Mm-hmm. Now, let's talk about the economy, though. The economy okay. is not doing quote well. For huge swaths of the American public, I understand what you're saying. They have not, we are at a great starting point for that to happen. We have to, <laughs> we have to develop an economy yes. based on the new technologies that are going to come in. Agreed. Artificial intelligence, yes, which is going to be both a huge blessing and a challenge. Yep. In, on job brothers creation. are very frightened of AI. We, you don't see a lot of brothers talking to Alexa. We about we, we need mm-hmm. to have a career connected learning like we are starting mm-hmm. in Washington State, right. where everyone gets career connected learning career. Uh, uh, training and education, not just those people who have a four-year degree. I think that's we, awesome. We man. have to have a system, and we've just started our new apprenticeship model in the state of Washington. It's leading the nation mm-hmm. because we got to quit telling our kids, if you don't get a four-year degree, you're a failure in life. Right. And so we've got to make sure everyone has a living wage, and we're not having that. We're not having wage increases that keep pace with living mm-hmm. for, you know, 40% uh, of the people in the United States economy. Now that, so on that perspective, the Democratic Party is going to present you. a vision for, for advancement. I will also say that was said in this last election. Everything you said was said in this last election. You know, um, living wage, income inequality. Bernie Sanders got a lot of ground based on those issues, you know. Um, but there also is... The other thing that I poo-pooed that I'm going to bring back and now (laughs) use is something. They're also, we're in America. There is a cult of personality issue as well. You know, do you see any Democrats? And I'll throw you in here, too, because I think people have thrown your name Mm-hmm. In there as a possible candidate for 2020, Governor. Mm-hmm. Well, you're a possible candidate too. Man. We're no, all, I'll be on possible. your train. If you run, I'll be on the train. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. There we go. Um, no, I, I'm in opposition to do that, but I'll, I'll be happy to be in, on the train. Um, who is? Are there people? And I hate to put it. I don't want to sound superficial, but I think it is important. Are there people with enough? gravitas that you see, or people with enough personality, or people who can capture the imagination of the American people, who that you can see now. Look, I have no qualms. We're going to have a good candidate. And you can candidate. include yourself. I have no qualms. We're going to have a good, great mm-hmm. candidate in 2020. There's a lot of talent in the Democratic field. Are you field. thinking about yourself right now? I'm thinking about being a great governor and being mm-hmm. a chairman of the Democratic right. governors because I want to elect Democratic governors mm-hmm. and then become a bench potentially for what the White House. What about Democratic governors that are already elected and running we, states we, like Washington? We have we have good governors in mm-hmm. a lot of different places. Right. But let me, let me tell you why I think we should be mm-hmm. positive about having a strong economic vision. Let me give you an example. I agree with of, you on that. I agree with you Let me tell you that, some yes. of the things we've been doing in Washington that I mm-hmm. help in that vision. Uh, we got the best paid family leave law in the United States. What is it? Uh, uh, basically, we have a fund that mm-hmm. we have now created, and our uh, benefits, and I can't remember the exact number of weeks to mm-hmm. tell you on this. I'll do it next time we're on a well, show. Well, where did the fund come from? The fund is for contributions both for employers and employees. Okay, and so it was a dual and contribution. A dual contribution, okay. and it's, it's a fund that uh, has the richest suite of benefits. It's the kind of thing we need to start to do to mm-hmm. build an economy that can function for everyone. And people are invested one. in it because their own money is in it as well. Everybody's, as the, everybody's invested. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, and uh, 
Number one. Number two, we talked about this issue of career-connected learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with, talk about that more. With, I think with that's With the advent yeah. of artificial intelligence, with the technological changes that are going to sweep across the economy, mm-hmm. with the fact that we have people who are not uh, in a position today to have skills to really have a living wage, right. we have to Many fundamentally— Many engineers, by the way, are coming from other countries. That's right. A lot of the we talent— to, We have to fundamentally it. reorient our educational and career training systems mm-hmm. to be adopted to the demands of the new technological system. And right. we're doing that in in our state, look, we have we have seventeen year olds today who are in paid apprenticeships, learning advanced manufacturing techniques, mm-hmm. running CNC machines, doing graphic design as seventeen year olds. In Switzerland, seventy percent of their kids are in a paid apprenticeship, essentially while they're in high school. Mm-hmm. This is a model that we need to but start they're in to embrace. To make, they're in apprenticeship apprenticeship to make like chocolate and watches, like. Well, no, 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 no. They're making, uh, they're making advanced computer and laser guided system. No, no. I saw a seventeen-year-old in Switzerland (laughs) making a a photo uh, uh, and swatches. Is that Switzerland? (laughs) No. Okay. I saw this guy. He was seventeen. He designed a a photo, not photovoltaic, and a photo optical system of Mm -hmm. transmitting uh, a communication system. He's Mm -hmm. making a whole system himself. These are not just making chocolate, making advanced manufacturing techniques. The point is we have to have an educational system that is adept for the new technological system. That is realistic about the types of industries that our young people are going to be facing. We got to move forward on issues of child care, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, pay inequity. We got to move forward in pay inequity, and we're doing that. We passed a law this year Mm -hmm. that would give women the right to make sure they're not victimized by pay inequity, and women are still having, what, 78% of— of wages of men. Does that give them, what, the right for litigation? Is that what you mean by that? It gives them the right to know what everybody else is earning. Oh, so they have the right to disclosure. So you have the right. The boss can't Mm -hmm. tell you that you can't share your wage information so you can at least find gender inequality. It sounds like you're trying to start fights at the workplace. We're solving them, and the fight we want to start, (laughs) the fight we want to get at is is a lack of economic prospects for people. Yes, I'm making jokes, but I agree with you. And this is, you know, an existential... uh, this inequity that we are seeing in our economy mm-hmm. is an existential threat to our culture. It I is agree a major, with you. It is a major threat to our culture. Well, it is unacceptable, and, and we I, should not accept God, it. I agree with you. God, God bless you, because so much of this, the gender inequality, plays on culture, too. You know, Many times, <laughs> like women have talked about how they don't feel as comfortable asking for raises and these types of things, and so, but that culture has been taken advantage of. In many ways, too. And it's right. like, all right, well, I'll take advantage of that, you know, and we're going to keep you at this 70% or whatever <laughs> it is, you know. But um, the days of that need to be passed. I think so. And I think right. you have women leading the way and being examples of, you know, that kind of outspokenness well, I mention, in I the corporate it, world. You know. I mentioned this because. Um, there are, you know, a thousand things we need to do to build a new economy with much more equality in it. Mm-hmm. All of the things we're doing in Washington are directed in that way. Our educational and finance. STEM education our, for, our STEM for education, young girls. Our too, financing right? for mm-hmm. college. Yeah. Look, we have a system now that finally we're going to provide college uh, scholarships for mm-hmm. all the students who need it, mm-hmm. 100%, so our need grants will be 100% funded, mm-hmm. including Dreamers, by the way. And these are the kids that, uh, these yeah. are some of the most ambitious 
really optimistic kids I've ever met. How big of an issue is that in Washington? I would think you'd get Russian dreamers there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, have a, we have a vibrant Russian immigrant community yes, in Washington yeah. State, and uh, many of my students uh, have come from Russia that my my I mean, you can smell the vodka teacher. as soon as you cross no, the no, state we, line. No, no, we smell the good work they're doing. Hard, <laughs> hard work community. But it's the, a the, joke, Russian people in the Washington. Dreamers, the dreamers mm-hmm. uh, touch something very deep in who we are as a people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we fundamentally have in our hearts this idea of America is a special place. Right. And it is a place of, of being welcoming and tolerance. And it is a place of refuge. Mm-hmm. And that's very deep in our fundamental character of who we are. So even though it's, you know, a relatively small number of people, mm-hmm. it is a top-line issue for me and a top-line issue for a lot of people in my state. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have these kids at, you know, Central University of Washington. They're ready to become doctors. And Donald Trump wants to threaten to throw him out of, this, uh, of the country. Well, By the way, it is, it is galling yeah. to me. It is mm-hmm. galling to me that he destroyed the uh, the Dreamer program, mm-hmm. the DACA program, and tried to lay off blame for that on the Democratic Party. That is just unacceptable. But and, realistically, uh, let's blame all of Congress because the president had to issue an executive order for DACA in the first place. Uh, if we couldn't get over the filibuster the, right. of the Senate Republicans. No, I Senate, mean in the first place. Yeah, I mean, know, as Obama, an institution, right. that's true. Right. But the point is he was the one who volitionally did not have to, who unilaterally yeah, uh, ended the Dreamer program. Yeah, that's a fact. Um, DACA is an interesting situation because I believe that's a multi-layered issue as well. You know, it's not mm-hmm. one of those just clean issues, you know. I think— most I'm from California, so we've dealt with the issue of mm-hmm. undocumented workers for years and years. And I've always thought it should be an I ain't mad at you policy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, hey, man, if, you, if you're going through all that to come over here and you're going to work and you're taking those wages, hey, I ain't mad at you, you know. There you go. California has always kind of had mm-hmm. that when I was growing up. You know, in right. fact, when Reagan was governor here, I think they had an amnesty program. He did it when he was president. I think Eisenhower did it in the 50s, recognizing that, mm-hmm. that I ain't mad at you type of philosophy. Right. It's like, look, we understand, of course. Is it illegal what people are doing? Of course. But we're human beings, too. We can be human beings and understand that people want a better life and that they're going to maybe risk a lot and risk their lives to come for it. Are we going to punish those people? We can probably turn our heads and— you know, act like human beings in some of these situations. That's how I look at it. Like, sometimes I don't know if there's legislation needed for some of these things. I think DACA you certainly do because a lot of these children are unprotected. So the and, Dreamers are a particular subset and uh, and yes. and sort of exhibit why we need empathy in this regard. And, and yes, these are, empathy is right. These are kids who have, many of them, have no memory of the place Mm-mm. they were born. They don't speak the language frequently of the place they were mm-hmm. born. They now speak uh, a language of success because they want to build businesses. They want to become doctors and lawyers, and mm-hmm. they're ready to do that. And to, to deny them and to deny us of their talents mm-hmm. is just shooting ourselves in the foot besides being right. venal and unfair. But the larger issue is— And by the a, way, I don't call them dreamers. Yes. I don't think that's a good term, mm-hmm. basically. It just— I'm a writer, so I I say they're undocumented Americans because to me they're Americans by every other means except their documentation. Well, I guess we'll call them our neighbors too because they're our neighbors, and I want them to be our neighbors, and we're we're going to fight for that. But there's more than that. We have 11 million people Mm -hmm. in our in our communities, and they're working, and they're paying taxes. And they're coaching soccer, and they're seeing kids to the school every morning, and they're being just as uh, 
American as you and I in, in their behavior. And this is a failure of Congress not to adopt meaningful immigration reform uh-huh. to give these folks an ability to come out from under the shadows. And uh, our industries depend on that. I was in Skagit County uh, the other day and talking to a really nice guy. He's, he grows tulips and he has 500 people working for him. Right. And uh, another guy who is an ex-dairyman who has an organic farm, our, our agriculture industry would not exist without these folks. Mm-hmm. They still have to live under the shadows. Mm-hmm. They can't uh, sort of meaningfully uh, access the community things that we take for granted. There's a law enforcement issue that, you know, can they call law enforcement for help yeah. when they have the mm-hmm. – we need to solve this problem. And this has been, uh, I'm sad to say, a, a refusal of the Republican Party to listen to their moderates. And we've gone backwards on this. Look, just a couple years ago, we and, had and several Republican senators who agreed to a reasonable compromise You're on absolutely this. right. There are many Republican moderates who were for this type of thing. Who were. Know? But now That's they have I mean. surrendered. Yes, because they they're on that train. They have turned over the grand over party to right. Donald Trump. And it's a sad thing to see – uh, members of the GOP uh, just quail mm-hmm. and their knees shake in, in under the shadow of Donald Trump. That's a sad thing. Mm-hmm. These are people I know who know better. We need them to help rescue this nation. We need them to stand up against Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. There's still only been a couple of them that really told them that he, he can't fire Mueller. They haven't even made that right. clear. Well, usually it's the people who have one foot out the door. And, and usually, yeah. like you said, the only one people who are standing up are the <laughs> ones who people are heading out of town. Exactly. We need Republicans to stand up for democracy. Mm-hmm. Look, Republicans, we need two parties. We need parties to argue this thing back and forth. But we need both parties to stand mm-hmm. up against this madness. And I am hopeful that some of them will because we are— in, we're in dicey ground right now. Democracy itself is is at risk. I, Governor, I appreciate you coming by, and I know your time's limited here. I did want to ask you uh, one other subject here because I I really admire how you've also have you know kind of led the way with the with the refugee issue with mm-hmm. Syrian immigrants. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. you've welcomed many in your yep. state. Can you talk about that a little bit? And and how do the Demo- How do we lead on that issue? But at the same time, you don't see the, you know. That I don't want to say nationalism ground, but you don't see that ground of protecting the country and being forthright. I think you do a couple things. Do you know what I'm talking about? I think I do. You I, know, I, because there is there is a sweet spot in there. Right. I think yeah. that, here's what I think the sweet spot is: mm-hmm. is to listen both to your heart and your gut. And to sort of a reasonable, meaningful approach to to our own national security. Mm-hmm. And none of those are in conflict in mm-hmm. this situation. And I'll, it, when it comes to listening to your heart and your gut, I remember when uh, I was just getting on my bicycle to go for a bike ride mm-hmm. when I heard my chief of staff called me and said, hey, the president's just stopped the the program allowing, you know, Muslim people from Muslim countries oh, allowing God. into the country. Yes, I remember that. And yeah. I said, you're kidding me. And I know we at all we have all kinds of familial and business connections with people sure. from these countries. And he says, yeah, they're actually stopping them down at SeaTac Airport. Well, I got mm-hmm. off my bike and I, you know, got on the ferry boat, went to SeaTac as fast as I can and just tried to help these families mm-hmm. who literally, you know, husbands yeah, family were, were getting stranded, off a yeah. plane to mm-hmm. go see their wives, you know, who are college professors. We had a guy who was actually a, a really well-known national expert on public health. He was coming to a, a public health 
uh, forum that was sponsored by the Gates, the mm-hmm. Gates Foundation. And he was going to come talk about some really important scientific, and he couldn't even get in. He was invited by the Gates Foundation, for goodness sakes. So mm-hmm. we did everything we can. We started a lawsuit. We won. We have defeated Donald Trump on this issue. And I'm proud that Washington was the first state mm-hmm. to really stand up to Trump on this issue. The latest thing that we're involved in is mm-hmm. I wrote a letter um, – uh, a couple of days ago on the Syrian refugees mm-hmm. issues. So here we have a president who's been, you know, vacillating on what he's going to do in Syria from a military standpoint. Well, he's been trying to take that Mussolini stance is what I call yeah, it, where, where he just stands and looks like he's doing go. something. And, and I, don't, I don't, you know, pretend mm-hmm. to say that I've got all the answers in Syria. Well, it's, it's a, a very it's a complicated very issue, especially so I'm not, now. I'm right. not saying all the answers, but mm-hmm. I do know that it's not consistent with who we are as a people to mm-hmm. shut the door to Syrian refugees, and that's what mm-hmm. he's done. These are people who are frequently well-educated. They've not wanted a civil war. They've been trapped by people. They've been mm-hmm. exposed to chemical chemical munitions, and he has shut the door to them. That's not consistent with who we are as a people at all. Mm-hmm. It's inconsistent with it, mm-hmm. and I hope that we can reverse that policy. We've, we've had like something like 11 Syrian refugees in the last four or five months mm-hmm. of the thousands who are now are in harm's way. And, and we've reduced by about 80% the number of refugees coming in from all over the world. Germany's taken in probably 10 times more people. Mm-hmm. We are a prouder nation than that. We are a bigger nation from that. And when I when I use your head part, there is no national security risk. Mm-hmm. We have the most a comprehensive screening system to right. make sure that we don't get, you know, folks in ISIS to I'm come speaking, in. I'm speaking about a messaging, not the reality, because the reality of it is that. But in the, like, in democratic messaging is what I'm talking about. Because even when I look at Obama, I thought Obama was very weak in his messaging on foreign policy in many different ways. I don't think he 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 um, expressed any kind of vision that people could get behind. It seemed more like prescriptions for whatever was going on. That, that's what it seemed like to me. And I, and I think his, 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 I mean, you're making a face right now. I, <laughs> I think you might agree with that. No, I don't, actually. Uh, I well, actually maybe don't you agree don't. with that. Well I, well, I can't remember Obama ever having a leading vision on what's going on over there. I thought he handled things as they came up, you know. And other than getting out of that region— I don't remember him saying, this is my vision for this. And this is, I want the Americans to get behind this. Uh, yeah, I think, I think. And I think he was hurt by what happened in Syria. I think it was a lot of political talk with right. the red line and everything. And right. he was kind of pushed into that in some ways. But he's still the president. I think the red line was unfortunate. It was, unfortunate, it was unfortunate. But I, I think situation. a lot of that was political gamesmanship, too. Well, let me, let me defend. And he got himself in a terrible position by right. even saying that. I remember when it happened. Right. But. I believe he is the president, and that was his fault. Just quick thing. I uh-huh. want to defend President Obama because I think he was— uh, That's my boy. I'm not going after Obama, I mean, but yeah. He, he did. I mean, the, the health care reform that we had, yes. the equity issues, the, the justice issues that he's yes. talked about. Uh, I would. What I would say is I think in some sense you're right that mm-hmm. the President Obama may not have advanced some grand, precise vision— but frankly, that region is not adept at no, having look, one. I so know. I'm, Having I'm, said I'm that, sure, I agree I'm not with sure that. I know any human I agree being with that. has a clear vision statement. That is very valid. For that region. It's very valid. And you know what led to this, Sometimes I believe, was the Iraq war decision, which I was opposed uh, to. I agree. And that, now Republicans that, are, are acting like they war, had nothing to do with it. That yeah. war uh, unloosed uh, hell in that region. So right. um, I'm. I wish that my voice would have prevailed. And I wish the Iraq it was war. too. One last question. Thank you so much, Governor. I think you're great, by the way. Thank you. I would love to talk to you more. Um, let's imagine, this is a hypothetical. Let's imagine, let's talk about real estate real quick. Let's imagine three years, I don't know, 
tired of where you're living, just want to live somewhere else. I don't know. What color house would you choose? Do you think it would be green, red, or white? What would be your choice of color? It would. If you were just hypothetically looking for a place to live in like 2020 and in three years from now, uh, you, green, way, red, or white, which way, color would you would you think you would be most amenable to the type of house you'd like to live in? Here's how our family works. Uh-huh. I would go down into our basement of our house built in 1931, <laughs> which has water in the basement because mm. it's an old house. Yeah. And I would look for the any paint that I have of any color oh my God. that would be a do you surplus. Have a white picket and fence? I have it free. I do not can't afford a white picket fence. Do you have, we have a rock fence. Is your house white right now? Our house is a brick house. Have you ever painted with the color white? We do not have white. We have kind of you, a, a I light see not blue. A, I think, well, you do have white paint. We, we, I'm dropping see, a mic, everybody. We'd have to see what's in the basement. <laughs> How's that? Governor, thank you so much <laughs> thank for you. coming. Thanks for uh, having me. It's a real honor. Good luck this year with your job. It's a very important job. It's so great Good talking year. to you. Don't forget to vote. Are you kidding me? Absolutely not. <laughs> and Take remind care. your listeners and their nephews and their vote kids you guys. and their cousins. The Gov is telling you, Governor Inslee <laughs> from the great state of Washington. Thank, thank you, you, Governor. Appreciate Bye. it. Thank you. Thank you.